Yippee mother podcasters, welcome back with three episodes in to Died Hard Volume 2. Uh, I think this has been a great season. It's probably been the best season so far, which is really easy to say when you're on two seasons. Two seasons is not a lot of seasons. Uh, I think this is going really well. I've had a great time. How are you guys finding it? You enjoying it? I couldn't hear you. This is not how podcasts work. Uh, if you are enjoying it, you're going to have to let me know by leaving a five-star review. And then I will know that you're enjoying it. And if you're hating it, leave a five-star review and tell me how much you're hating it. Today's episode has been a really fun one. It was a lovely record. I kind of got to flex my comedy nerd quite a lot in this. And it's so great. We're recording with a Californian, which means we get to talk about American comedy. And we got to talk about SNL, which is something I've been waiting for ages to come up on the podcast. So uh, I hope you kind of enjoy hearing about that. And if you love that as much as I love that, this is going to be a great episode for you. Sam was such a great booking. I think she's a fantastic comic. Uh, as we mentioned in the beginning of this, we don't know each other. So this was a, a first impression for us and I think a really good first impression. So, um, yeah, this is a, a great episode with a Californian comedian in Manchester. Uh, it is going to be brilliant. You are going to love it. Please give a really warm podcasting welcome to Sam Fotovat. I think I'm pronouncing your name Hi. wrong. <laughs> no, you've nailed it, actually. I, nailed I think it. people try and over-pronounce it a lot of the time, but it is just Fotovat, Fotovat, like, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. There we go. Perfect. First try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, hi. It's lovely to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks for yeah, coming. Yeah, I'm excited. Thank um, you for having me. We should probably preface as well. A lot of the people I talk to on the podcast, I've met and I know and I have a good rapport. We've never met. We've never spoken. This is our first proper interaction. Yeah, I was thinking that. I, I like. I know who you are, <laughs> but I wasn't sure if like I had just been really rude and like not remembered you. <laughs> like, no, I know. I know who you are, but it's nice to, to properly meet you for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm always quite happy to kind of reach out to people who. I think, you know, we've kind of, we're kind of passing islands, we both know who each other are, Yeah. but yeah, absolutely no kind of contact, but I think <laughs> it sets up a fun podcast, this is a good dynamic, you get to watch two people meet for the first time, and I know from my side, I am awful at first impressions, are you the yeah, same? Yeah, I'm terrible, this is going to go well, <laughs> this is going to go so well. There's only like, really two ways it can go, we can hate each other afterwards, <laughs> or absolutely love each other. <laughs> Oh yeah, we might be best friends. We might. No, I tend to get uh, really shy, but we're talking about comedy and that is something that I love. So I, I can't be shy with this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think comedy is one of them things where we definitely, I think every comedian knows how to fake being good with people. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, who's to say this isn't just neurodivergent masking at its best? I'm pretty sure that's all this is. <laughs> I think that's the whole comedy industry as a... <laughs> yeah, all of it. Literally all of it. Um, I was speaking to, um, you know, Molly McGuinness. Uh, oh, yes, she's I one do. of my favorite, like, comedians and people. And um, she's become really obsessed with uh, saying that I am like Julia Fox. Um, not for my fashion sense, not for dating Kanye West, but like, she's like, oh, you guys have the same type of autism <laughs> where you just go off on a wild one then don't realize that you've said anything insane, but like in a very nice way. And yeah. I love that. I love her for saying that. <laughs> 
I think every now and then you've got to, everyone's got to have that crazy. And I think, you know, if you can yeah. nail it down to, oh, it's like this famous person, then you've got it nailed. Yeah, I felt so seen. I felt <laughs> very validated. I could just give up now. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, obviously, you know, welcome to the Died Hard family. It's the most sought after place yeah. to be in the world of comedy at the moment. Uh, oh, of course. It's, it is a gig, uh, a show primarily about the worst gigs. How, how are you about talking about those gigs? Is it something that you're like, I'm happy to bring up or is this terrifying for you? So you know what? I think the reason it's terrifying is because I sound like a bit of a dick when I say that most of my gigs have gone all right. <laughs> um, but saying that, I love, I love talking about when things go poorly. I love it. Yeah. I love freaking out. Because, you know, I think people always uh, try and reaffirm me and be like, oh, no, it wasn't that bad. And it's like, no, but you don't know how I felt. <laughs> I felt the world drop from under me. <laughs> Let's do that. Um, but, you know, especially when I talk to, like, other comedians and stuff, like, they they co- totally get it. They completely understand. That's fine. Um, but it's usually my friends who try and be super, super nice. Like, last night, I was talking to my best friend about coming onto this, and he's like, wow, but you've never bombed. I've never seen you bomb. Like, that's because you love me. Yeah. <laughs> that's because you see me as a person. <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, like, uh, it, I don't think it shows through, like, every episode of this that as a comedian I think it can be that like it's a really lonely moment when you realise you're on stage yeah. and it's not going as planned yeah it it sucks especially because um, I mean with my comedy it's so much based on my life like so much of it is just storytelling and it feels like oh well you hate me <laughs> like you hate me as a person that wasn't a joke I just told I just opened up to you and you just yeah. looked at me like I'm the worst person you've ever met <laughs> wow um but it's it's usually fine like you get over it very quickly yeah. um which I like but there are certain moments that just kind of ooh, I'm not gonna forget that uh absolutely yeah I mean I've had uh, I was very similar to you in that for quite a while I was like oh, I, I don't really bomb. Like, I must be gifted at yeah. this. And then I remember one of the first times I bombed, I went and I did a gig and there were seven people there that weren't there to see the gig. They were there to eat pizza and a brew dog. Oh, and God, then there was yeah. me and a friend of mine. And they, these seven guys, hated every second of it and left before it was done. And then when it was over, my friend was like, yeah, they didn't like it, but that was the best I've ever seen you do the material. And it's like, there was no one there for half the night. Yeah, I was able to perform well to no one. <laughs> it's like, you don't realise this is what I do in my bedroom before a gig. I just, I walk around and perform it to myself. Yeah, man, yeah. So, obviously, I'm going to address the elephant in the room here. We're in Britain, mm. I'm an English man. This isn't an English accent you've got, so you're from oh, California? Yeah. <laughs> I'm from California, yeah. Wow. I didn't know what the elephant in the room was going to be, to be honest. I <laughs> forgot. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I'm from California. I moved here about seven years ago, and I've been in Manchester pretty much the whole time. Um, Which is a great it. place to be it's for It's fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Honestly... If I wasn't here, I don't think I'd be doing comedy if I hadn't found this. Because it's just, it's amazing. Like, I've been 
um, in so many different scenes, like in California, they're like different performing arts scenes and whatever. And none of them have felt as good as what's happening right now here. Yeah. It's amazing. That's, I find like I've, I've never kind of gone to any of the Manchester comedy clubs to perform, but like seeing from a distance, like there's Creatures Comedy, or I think it's called Creatures yeah. of the Night Comedy, there's La Fienda and all of them things that from this distance seem to be this amazing institution that I always kind of look at and think oh, I, I wish this was there when I decided I, like I was going to start and I was going to try because not only are yeah. they like so frequent like there seems to be this such a supportive vibe about it and from everyone I spoke definitely to so into it definitely it's so crazy I um I go every single week to Jokes at the Oaks, um, which is Jordan Ducharme's gig. And uh, like, you know, Dan Tiernan was running it. Now it's Charlie Lewis. Um, I go there every single week for the last like two and a half years I've been there. Um, And I think I didn't realize how incredibly spoiled that was going to make me. Um, Like everybody there is just so brilliant all the time. It's the best audience. It's the best comedians coming in. guys who run it are so lovely and then you know from that um you know hearing about all these other gigs and yeah like La Fienda and Creatures like it's so crazy that Creatures exists um I'm not saying like (laughs) I you know it wasn't needed it was obviously needed to have you know something every single night but like it is actually a bit crazy that like now there's this thing that's every single night right in right in town like it's just a reliable thing that you could just fall back on and We've got um, like Jordan's amazing open mic um, on Wednesday stage time and you got Comedy Vault and stuff like, you know, if I'm ever bored, I just go out like I just go out to these these comedy things they are so fun. They're so great to go just as an audience member. And uh, for me, like I <laughs> I definitely had a bit of imposter syndrome, like when I actually started, because I'd been going to these gigs for like probably a solid nine months before. Um and before I, I ever did a gig, um, and I never planned on doing a gig, but I knew all these people from just like being around and like, yeah. you know, they're just so friendly, like everyone's just so friendly. And I was a bit scared that like the friendliness might wear off when I'm actually doing the gigs. No, it's never worn off. Like everyone is just so lovely, so supportive, so amazing. It's it's great. I, I absolutely love it here. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing that everyone always seems surprised to learn. And I always kind of hope if you've got listeners that, are even just considering like getting into comedy like no one is ever really against each other like there's not this separation mindset at all like it's very much if you succeed we all succeed and so everyone works to make you comfortable and everyone wants to have their best gig with you and I think that's always great that like there is never this mindset of I'm better than you it's always like hey, let's get you up to this level and let's do this together and let's succeed together, which it must be a great thing yeah, to have absolutely. when there are so kind of regularly occurring around you. Absolutely. And it's so fun, like, uh, you know, doing a gig, seeing somebody there um, and then running into them like the next night and asking them about their next gig or whatever, or, you know, just seeing them like turn up at the end of yours and just like, I don't know, it's so it's so cute. <laughs> I know it sounds really like <laughs> condescending or whatever, but it's just really wholesome uh, yeah. at the end of the day. Like there really is no 
I mean, I'm sure for some people that are like shitty people, there might be competition, but I don't know them. (laughs) I don't know people who are assholes. Like (laughs) everyone's a bit, you know, crazy, but nobody's an asshole like that. Like everyone really does just want to succeed and have fun. I love that. Yeah, for sure. And I'd be really kind of interested to know, because obviously in terms of the majority of people that we get on this podcast, when we talk about like their first exposure to comedy, I think the thing that often comes up is like, oh, I saw a Peter Kay DVD. I saw Live at the Top of the Tower. Mm. Now, obviously, kind of growing up in California, like, I'm guessing, like, Peter Kay isn't kind of massive over there and it's not (laughs) that influence. No, um, I mean, I did know Peter Kay before I moved here. um, But it wasn't my first exposure, no. Um, I think it's kind of... It's always been there, Um, I think I'm very privileged to have grown up at the exact right time with the exact right family Um, to be an indoor kid with access to cable and (laughs) watching like uh, Saturday Night Live um, in the early 90s, which was great because that's how I learned about like Norm Macdonald um, and watching like Eddie Murphy specials with my dad and Richard Pryor and stuff. But also... Comedy Central had just become a thing. And I was just rinsing those specials. I think I've seen every single Comedy Central Presents from the 90s. And it was amazing because, like, um, you know, I didn't realize this until later, but, like, at that time in comedy, especially in West Coast comedy, that's when the alternative scene was kind of coming up. And Comedy Central was grabbing those people and putting on these kind of weirder, more, like, storytelling-type you know, shows that wouldn't have been on the mainstream networks. Um, So, I mean, a lot of those people I still love today. Like, that's how I learned about, um, like, Maria Bamford and Mitch Hedberg and just, like, loads of people who have heavily influenced me now. I was just watching them in my bedroom making shitty little recordings on (laughs) on my top girl microphone and just, like, loving it. I just thought it was the coolest thing. And then, um around like the early 2000s there was a um i mean still running um but there's a festival in san francisco called Sketchfest, mm. um where loads of comedians are coming in and putting on their podcasts and their one-off specials um so that's kind of when i started going to live gigs more um yeah just like it just it was always there and it never really went away yeah. and then around the time that i moved here um I think the first few years I was just, I, I didn't go to gigs. I had probably been to a few in London, like when I'd visit or whatever. Um, but I was really trying, <laughs> I was really trying to be like normal. <laughs> like I wanted to be normal so bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was still listening to like loads of podcasts. So that was kind of uh, there and doing my weird British education of like watching British comedy. And, and I, I, you know, I'd listened to some of it. But um, it was really fun kind of getting into it here. Uh, But then it was probably, I want to say, right before lockdown a little bit, I started going to like Frog and Bucket, you know, because it's nearby. Um, But right straight out of lockdown, that's when I started going hard with um, local gigs. And, um, well, I'm stuck here now. (laughs) Like, I can't get out of that hole, and I love it. It's a great hole to be in. Um, but yeah, no, definitely, I, I would credit Comedy Central, my dad, and Saturday Night Live for ruining me. 
Yeah, I I can't tell you how long I've been waiting for someone to come on here and say Saturday night live as oh as my an god <laughs> because I just yeah. I think it it's such a seminal thing in comedy I think it's something yeah. that like I know in the UK like we've tried to do and there are other countries that have tried and it's just it's never stuck but there's just something about Saturday Night Live and especially in that kind of golden era in the nineties but then as you move towards like what you've got now where it I think it's so rapidly developing where some people are like this is awful now and some people are like yeah. no it, it's yeah. back in its new golden era and I think it's, it's just weird because so there's good stuff yeah like there's still there's still good stuff happening um but I loved that golden era because it really felt like I don't know it was almost like that was your sport team it was like yeah this is going to happen every single week and everyone's going to watch it and it's either going to be brilliant or it's going to be shit and it was very rarely shit back then um and even the shit stuff I kind of loved like I, I look back on these kind of shit things like uh God, who was it? Uh, Chris Kattan, like everything that he did, I feel like people are like, oh, this is a bit shit. I'm like, no, but I love it. I love it. I love yeah. it. He's such a weirdo. Or like, um, God, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now. Uh, oh, Rob Schneider. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, he's so annoying. He's such an annoying person. Like, yeah, granted, he's like, uh, he is an annoying person, but I loved it. I thought it was so cool. Yeah. Like, I just, I, I don't think I fully understood how wild of a a career path and a a job move that is to just be like right well I'm doing a live show every single week we are writing this and we're doing it every single week and I just I don't know I can't I can't ever get over that yeah and I think you you touched on something that I've never heard anyone kind of reference it like and I think it's kind of perfectly put that it's very much it's like tuning in to watch your favorite sports team where you're like this could go either way and I think the same thing with that like everyone I hate sports so I might be completely wrong but like yeah (laughs) I think everyone with sports teams like some people are like oh I like this player and other people are like no he was awful and it's very much the same like you say with everyone has that one person they love like I know there's not a single, like, Lonely Island sketch that was on SNL Mm. that I look at and think, that's bad. I think all of them are perfect. But I know so many people are like, no, they they definitely left at the right time (laughs) because they were getting awful. And I'm like, I don't see that. I think they were perfect through and through. Yeah. Oh, Lonely Island's such an interesting part of it. I think um, a lot... You know, in real time, because I am older than you, um, I... I remember it was such a breath of fresh air to like have them on Um, and there was this weird kind of thing of like it was the early viral internet when those things were happening and I think that there was this like I don't know almost like a battle of like oh should we be like no no they're just doing like the online stuff like they're just doing this for like likes and shares and it's like yeah isn't that great though like isn't that cool Um, and yeah you know maybe I don't think they outstayed their welcome. I definitely think that they did well. Um, but it was just a fun uh, switch up to the format. I think it was so cool. And if you look at SNL, honestly, I could talk about SNL for an hour. <laughs> I, um, I've i seen up until the last, up until I moved here, basically, I'd seen basically every single episode and that's going all the way back to the 70s. Um, I love, I just love how they tried different things all the time and sometimes it failed but like you know the very first episode was just George Carlin doing a set basically and and the musical guest like it's not it was never like set in stone what this was going to be and 
Um, I think it also, I remember it was sparking my first sort of comedy debates because uh, I was like, no, well, that person, <laughs> that person's just a great comedic actor and that person's a great writer and that person's a great stand-up. Like all of these things, like I started to see it. Like I started to see like, wh- what is this person really good at? And obviously, yeah. like you said, like with the... Um, you know the the all-star sort of like sports players like nobody's gonna say that chris farley was bad because he wasn't because he was brilliant like he was always brilliant maybe he wouldn't have been if you know if he was still alive today i don't know i personally think he would have been um but like norm mcdonald like i said like he's the guy he's the guy for me and he got fired off snl for like Mm -hmm. not being funny enough you know (laughs) but he's the funniest guy like i still think about uh, his just his delivery during these like weekend update things and to know it was just such a such a treat to like have those things just delivered into my childhood bedroom yeah. <laughs> like, I absolutely love it I feel so spoiled for that yeah that's so great and like uh, normally we kind of we talk about kind of like what made you decide to try comedy but I think in terms of like looking at kind of what you kind of were yeah. given almost as kind of like a gift growing up of being able to see all of that like I think it really it kind of defeats that question that you're like what kind of person that was given yeah. that wouldn't <laughs> well to be fair I kind of um I it was it was definitely a dream of mine like as a child but I never really thought it would be a thing that I actually did I think as I liked it too much. I respected it too much. I was like, no, that can't, that couldn't be me. Like I thought it was more likely that I would be like a, an actress or suddenly learn how to sing. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I thought, I knew I was going to be some kind of performer at some point. I knew I was going to do something creative because I was always doing creative things. Like my whole family is, is pretty creative. Um, and you know, gave us a lot of freedom to just try the things that we wanted to do was always really supportive with that um but in terms of like actually trying comedy I think I almost resented being called funny when I was uh kind of coming into adulthood I think because I wasn't really trying to be funny at the time I think I was trying to be cool (laughs) so being called funny I was like oh shut up (laughs) like I'm not I don't know but then that kind of turned into well, if you think I'm funny, I'm going to show you funny. Like, I'm actually... Right, I might as well actually try it. Um, yeah. What got me um, actually doing my first gig, though... Uh, well, I say my first gig. I'm going to say the first gig that really counts, and that's when I did comedy out here. Because anything I did in California, that doesn't count. That's just my lore. <laughs> like, that doesn't really count. But my... I'm, again, very spoiled by Jokes at the Oaks um, that my first gig out here was a few months into me going regularly... Um, I was just out with um, Dan Tiernan and he kind of just mentioned it. He was like, do you want to, I think you're funny. Like, would you like to do a gig here? And my mind was like blown. I was like, oh uh, yeah, sure. Totally. Like trying to play it cool. Um, and I just wrote a quick five that I still love. Um, and I did it and loved it. And it kind of felt like, well, there is no going back now um granted I didn't like go full steam or anything like that I just I knew that I could do it and it was great it was fun and any fears that I might have had I I didn't realize that this was something I was afraid of until after when I was kind of thinking about it it's like oh like are people gonna understand me like is my sense of humor going to translate is this gonna make sense to anyone but me um 
No, it worked. It, it was a, honestly a great first gig. Absolutely yeah. loved it. And um, like I said before, like with this community that we have, um, it was just really easy to keep going uh, or to dip in and out as I tend to do. Uh, really fun to do it out here like that. Yeah, absolutely. So we heard just then about uh, how you managed to get into comedy and uh, and what that was like. And obviously you mentioned Dan Tiernan, who fantastic comedian as well. And if you're listening, definitely kind of check him out. I think he's hilarious. But obviously getting into gigs, it's always, I think, like you start and it's great and you're like, this is brilliant. Do you remember like a gig that you think like this is this is the peak for me? This is my best gig or my favorite venue or favorite crowd? Yeah. Um, so hands down, every time that I've ever done jokes, the Oaks has been my favorite. However, uh, I don't think they've been my best. I think that for me, my best gig. It's kind of a toss up. It was uh, two gigs I did uh, within a couple of days of each other this last year. Um, one was the first time I did Creatures, um, just because it was just kind of a, it's just kind of like a random thing. I, you know, I, I hadn't like asked to do it or I was asked to do it and, um, thought, okay, yeah, this will be fine. Um, I wasn't like particularly psyched going in. I knew it was going to be great. I knew it was going to be a fun time and I really wanted to check out the venue. What made it one of my best gigs is uh, it happens to be on the 4th of July and there happened to be a very rowdy American girl in the crowd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, it's weird. I have this weird relationship um, with Americans in the UK. I don't meet them very often. Um, and I haven't been back home since right before COVID. So right. it, I don't know. I never really know how to interact with them. I don't really know what the vibe is. I don't know if they're going to like me. Um, because I'm, um, I'm not, I, <laughs> I, I'm not like a self-hating American by any means. However, I do describe myself as Californian. Yeah. Um, and I'm very quick to be like, oh, and my parents are immigrants. <laughs> like, <laughs> just so you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a, a Trump voter. Like I'm not, I'm not any of those things that you might think uh, I am. Um, but this girl, her energy was just kind of really, really lovely. And I really felt like um, I was performing to her a little bit. Um, and, you know, I think it went really well, um, or I felt like it was going really well on stage. But as soon as the gig was over, like, she just ran up to me and was like, oh, my God, I think I'm in love with you. <laughs> like, I, think, I think you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. And here's my friend. And like, oh, my God, can we be friends? And like, I'm so obsessed with you. And it's like, oh, that's so fun. That's so lovely. Um, so that's kind of the, the part one. And the part two, for completely different reasons, was um, my very first roast battle at a stage time. Um, um, which is just a couple, like, it might, it might have been the very next day. Um, loved it. I loved it because I was terrified. That's the thing. I was so afraid because people have always told me since before I was even doing comedy, like, oh, you'd be good at roasting. Like, you're yeah. mean. <laughs> and I don't think that I'm that mean, actually. Um, and I especially, like, I actively try not to be mean in my comedy because I talk about so many kind of bleak and distressing things that 
the way that I can make that work and sound funny is by being very like warm around it and like a very nice person, I think, yeah. <laughs> or I try to be. Um, so doing this roast, it was against um, Jack Miller, who I'd only um, met briefly before and I'd seen him a couple of times and he's just a lovely man and he's Scouse, which makes him funnier than me by default. So <laughs> I was just so afraid, like so, so afraid. And I had to write jokes that were outside of myself, which is something that I don't really do very often um yeah and I it went really well and I won and you know those two things coupled together I was like yeah this is it this is it baby (laughs) (laughs) I've achieved comedy I've done it uh so so fun and you know any any time I go up at stage time is going to be one of my favorite things because you know Jordan's just such a fun guy he's he you could be having the worst night of your life and he's gonna tell you it's the best night of your life and you'll believe him (laughs) it's great yeah I think roast battles I find such an interesting thing because I think yeah I I imagine from like the outside looking in I've never done one I don't think I can I get told literally every gig I go to there's normally like an older mum tells me oh you were so lovely you're you seem really nice (laughs) I get that at every gig so I just I never think I could do it but I I always find it's very much it's people who you're writing the things that you should probably never say that you've now got permission to do and I think it must be quite exciting where you're like oh I get to really like I get to unleash it now I get to yeah give it everything it's so it's crazy because I, you know, I, when I was writing the jokes for Jack, like I said, he's such a lovely guy, honestly. Um, I was really struggling. Cause it's like, what, a, what? how can I insult this really nice man who's like in his 30s and has two kids and like they seem really sweet and like uh but it's it's great to just feel like yeah dads are boring (laughs) uh there's no reason that you should be depressed oh your kids are ugly like all that stuff like I would never say those things but it was so fun to do it and to just feel a bit evil I love feeling a bit evil and to be able to hug at the end of it is so so nice because like I said like everyone is so nice that I, you know, there is no going too far. I don't think, uh, yeah. because everyone's here, you know, we volunteered for this. We, we're the ones writing the embarrassing things on the form. Like he, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm projecting, but I feel like when he had to say certain things about my ethnic background, about my, um, my relationship status, I think when he had to say those things, I think he was a, a bit afraid that it, uh, it would maybe hurt me. No, I love it. I love people talking shit about me. It is the one reason that I might continue doing roasting is, you know, it's fun to hear how somebody wants to take you down. It's, it's really fun yeah. to, to try and figure out a way to make somebody's existence seem like a joke. It's fun to do that. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it is very well. hard to do. It seems like quite kind of liberating when you do get those yeah. opportunities that you're both like you're in it together. And as much as it seems like you're put in that position where it's like, oh, you're working directly opposed to each other. Yeah. Like I think it, it does kind of build that sense of community where you're like it, it builds that bond and that friendship that you don't yeah. often get oh, a chance definitely. to do when you're like, where is the line and how far can I push it? Definitely. I mean, for a couple of weeks, he was the man in my life. <laughs> he yeah. was the guy that I was just thinking about. And I really just I have a, such a, a fondness and a love for him now because we went through that together. Lovely. Yeah. So I think now it's time to hear a really daunting jingle that sounds like this. 
because we're about to find out. Best gigs, they're all great. We love best gigs. We love living <laughs> in that moment. But what is, Sam, your very worst gig? Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> so... <laughs> I kind of mentioned this before, but I am a, um, I'm a late bomber. It, you know, it didn't happen for a while and arguably, you know, the whole thing didn't go poorly. It was just one moment and it is a moment that has haunted me. Um, this gig, lovely gig. It was, um, maybe a year and a half into me doing comedy, um, I was invited to do uh, Gags at the Nags, which is Jake Bowen's gig. And uh, I don't know. I just felt like I was, uh, I don't want to say afraid, but I think I, I think I was in a weird place with writing. I think I was trying to do some new stuff. I didn't end up doing any new material. I was just um, kind of relying on my, my set at the time. Um, but because I was in this writing mode, I was really overanalyzing my material. And I have one joke in particular um, that is very, it usually gets the, the big, big reaction, whether that's going to be groans or laughter or whatever, that's fine, but it does get a big reaction. And it is, to summarize, a joke about how I had been previously engaged to a professional wrestler and how that ended in an attempted murder-suicide, which is true, um, but it's also really funny. <laughs> like, I just think it's funny. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I get up to, to this gig um, and, you know, I run into some familiar faces, but for the most part, I'm just kind of sat there um, vibing and I'm kind of looking at the crowd and I start worrying because there are some older people in the room and I had never performed to older people at this point. I had always yeah. been doing kind of like my, I don't know, people like me. Um, so I just got so in my head of like, oh my God, are these like older men like going to freak out at me? Um, so I get up, it's going fine. <laughs> it's going fine. Getting, getting my good early laughs in. I tend to find, especially with that set, um, it is very much like you know okay here's who i am i'm sam i'm from california and like like laugh at this whatever um and then you know walk you through to the darker stuff the the bleaker stuff and it's going really well and they laugh and i think it's fine and i start telling this joke and i'm looking at the older people in the room and they're laughing and i'm like that's great um but when it gets to that joke i stupidly think that okay this guy right in the middle who is maybe like 23 and he seems kind of cool he's going to be the one who laughs at this joke i'm going to make this guy laugh and everything's going to be fine and when i tell that joke when i say attempted murder suicide i see him just look worried for me like not not like this isn't funny or oh my god i can't believe she, she said that or whatever just like oh, are you okay? And that was it. That was the moment for me of like, holy shit, I'm doing, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> what, why have I ever told this joke? What yeah. is going on? And just, I could not get back on my feet after that. Um, I think, you know, 
obviously people aren't going to tell you that you did shit. You know, Jake's like, oh yeah, great. You did great. <laughs> Cause he's such a nice yeah. guy. Um, but for me, I was like, oh my God, I, what have I done? Like, what have I done? Like if this guy didn't laugh, nobody laughed and I'm sure they did laugh. I'm sure they did, but it was, I don't know. And it started this sort of, um, uh, I don't like after the fact kind of anxiety of like, wow, I can't believe I talk about such wild shit. I had never even questioned it. To be completely yeah. honest with you, I had never questioned that these were the jokes that I was going to tell. I I put a little bit of thought into it in that like, okay, yes, I'm talking about very bleak things, very kind of whatever. I don't want to trauma dump. And I also don't want to be very crass. Like I, I tend not to swear when I'm doing um, my standup. Um not because I'm above it, but because, you know, if somebody's going to be talking to you about uh, domestic violence and sex work and, you know, all this stuff, like, you don't also want to hear a million fucks. <laughs> like, that's just, yeah. well, it's just a lot. Like, I don't even want to hear that. Um, so it, it kind of got me in this state of like, why am I doing this? And also, uh, thank God I hadn't had this thought before, but it made me really realize like, holy shit, this, this is this free ride has gone on for too long. Like, yeah. I can't believe this hasn't happened sooner. I can't believe I've been like coasting by. And I, it honestly took me like days to recover. Um, I wasn't like depressed or anything. I was just like, Ugh, I can't believe that that just happened. I cannot believe it. But at the same time, super liberating. I felt, I felt really like, wow. Okay. Well, that's the worst thing that could have happened. Yeah. Um, for me anyway, uh, and I'm fine. Like, it's actually fine. I've got another gig next week. I'm going to be okay. These people aren't even going to remember me. <laughs> like, it's totally fine. And I, yeah, I love the kind of freedom that comes after. It's like falling off your bike. Like, okay, cool. Like, I'm going to get back on now. But before that's ever happened, it's the scariest thing ever. And I'm so glad that I wasn't cognizant of that before. <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad that I didn't go into that before. Um, so in the end, it turned out being a good thing. But I honestly talking about it, I can I can remember how shaky I felt. I can remember just like, Ugh! and I have had that reaction since. Um, and it's usually to that story. I understand that it's a tough sell. I'm not going to get rid of it. I love yeah. it. I think it's really funny. Um, but it is kind of more of a... Um, uh, mm, kind of like a test, kind of just like a check-in um, on my jokes where, okay, if they didn't really like that, now I can recalibrate, I can go to something else and that's fine. Um, mm -hmm. But I, because I hadn't, you know, experienced that before, I didn't have anything really prepared. I could have gone on to my new material, but it would have been way too much of a tone shift. I just powered through and I think that's, it was the right thing to do in the moment, but I'm so much more prepared for those reactions now. Uh, I'm okay with people thinking that I'm crazy. I'm okay with people thinking that I'm weird, that I'm a freak, whatever. I don't want people to think that I'm not okay. I don't want anyone <laughs> to think that uh, there's a gun to my head and that's why I'm performing above a pub. That's so not the case. I'm here on purpose, I promise. <laughs> like, I like doing this, I'm okay. And uh, I think I'm better at uh, getting that across now because of that failure. Yeah, and I, I think you touched on something really interesting in that story about, like, you kind of, you know, you looked at that one guy and how he was reacting, that shape that night. And I think it's something that a lot of, uh, a lot of like, comedy fans don't really realise is that 
as much as you're assessing us then you're thinking oh is he doing it well we're looking at that audience and we are like because we don't know what you're thinking you're silent but we kind of projecting those feelings onto you and I like I know in terms of I I did a gig recently and I always get like that I get really nervous in the front row I have my brother there and so I was able to kind of look at him and I was like, I don't, I know you think I'm an idiot. So we're all good. <laughs> like you're the person that I'll assess now. But then like, I, I think it is like you say, when you have those gigs where you don't know, like that's yeah. when you can go into panic mode when you're like, I don't know how to read you because yeah. this isn't an yeah. emotion that I want you to be feeling right now. And I've only kind of, I've only prepped for one or two emotions to this story. And yeah. this isn't that. Yeah, totally. Like you just you just never know and and we are, you know, kind of anxious people. Uh I think yeah. you kind of um you kind of have to just live with that. Um but it's very easy to fill in gaps where there's silence and I don't even know if there was silence. It could have just been in my head, honestly, but I just know for whatever reason that is the feeling that I was getting from that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I I think that um it's it is interesting um what what people who are just fans um don't know um and it's something that i i'm really grateful to uh like i said have been such a regular in this scene as an audience member before i i tried anything um because i think i learned a lot about like writing and has how things progress or whatever just from watching things all the time but also just like talking to people talking to I mean these people are my friends now but um at the time when I was just going to see them every once in a while I'd get someone coming up to me after and saying one of two things either I'm so glad you were there because I knew that you would laugh at this or I wanted to see how you would react to this or I'm so sorry that you had to hear that again those are like the two things it's like no I love being here it's so fun I'm like you do build this sort of relationship. Um, and even though, uh, you know, that's kind of a, an odd case, that's, you know, you being a fan, every single time there is that relationship. It's just very temporary. And you you just want to, for me anyway, I try to make it a positive experience despite talking about negative things. I want to make sure that everyone's okay. We're all going to be okay. It's going to be fine. I don't want to piss anyone off and I don't want to make anyone worried. It's yeah, I, I think that's that great safe space mentality that there really is in comedy where, like, you know, it's very much, I think, on stage, you can talk about anything that you want and you can joke about it because we're all in it. And I think yeah, as, like, kind of crowd work is becoming such a huge thing in comedy at the moment, whether you love it or hate it, like, it's very much that thing as well of, I think, it's a great way to open up to that audience where you can kind of say, like, look, yeah. whatever you tell me, you can say anything and... I'm not going to judge you. I might make jokes about it. No one's here to offend you. Like, I'm opening myself up on stage. I'm willing to tell you these things. Like, say what you like. We're all here for a laugh and to have a good time. And I think it is that thing where it's nice to hear comedians saying, like, I've got a horrible story and I'm going to tell you that. But it's fine. I'm over it. I've processed it. Yes. Oh, my God. That is huge. That is so huge. I think that... um what a lot of audiences um or especially like people who haven't gone out to stuff a lot um i 
regularly bring people out to gigs um, who haven't gone to a lot of comedy and they're always so nervous. They're always so, they'll tell me like, oh, I'm so afraid they're going to talk to me. I'm like, no, don't worry about it. Like if they're talking to you, it's just to connect with you. Um, But also I don't think people understand that if people are talking about it, they're okay. (laughs) Nobody's really, I mean, you do get the rare you know, go to an open mic and somebody is genuinely trauma dumping. Fine. Who's to say I haven't done it? I definitely have. (laughs) Um, But, you know, if we're talking about it, it's because we we're either okay with it or we want to be okay with it. We want to talk about these things. We have chosen this. Nobody has told us, oh, you have to get up and talk about that really fucked up thing that happened. Like nobody is telling you that you have to do that. And if they are, well, that's weird. <laughs> Nobody should be telling you how to do your jokes. Um, yeah, a, it's all it's all a, a goodwill sort of mentality that you bring into it, and I, I love that. Yeah, there's a brilliant James Acaster uh, bit where he's talking about, like, I went to see him in Sheffield, and he's talking about his mental health and everything, and he could feel that the crowd was really tense, and he just kind of said, like, you believe it or not you're not the first people i've chosen to talk to about this i'm not saying this (laughs) because i'm still suffering i'm over it i've processed it like just you can enjoy it you can laugh at me i'm I'm giving you that opportunity and i think that is the thing that audiences forget is like as we love an audience but you're not our go-to you're not our therapist yeah We're, we're fine and we're over it yeah, as much as it is therapeutic to say the words out loud, you are not my therapist. You are not Samaritans. This is not a crisis call. Like, I'm actually okay. And if I'm not okay, well, somebody's going to come up to me after the gig. <laughs> It'll be <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. So we've got uh, two last things to do on the podcast, which is mm-hmm. really sad because I've been really enjoying it. Uh, but we're going to kind of bring it back to that uh, landing point. The first bit is yeah. the question that I'm finding more and more guests hate it or they love it the last episode I guess, <laughs> refused to answer this question uh, and it's the simple it's the age old question Die Hard do you think it's a Christmas movie? of course I do <laughs> of course I that think um, <laughs> yeah of course I think there's nothing more festive than a party that goes wrong like, and that's what that is I love it exactly. but I you know admittedly I am very liberal with what is a Christmas film. I, you know, <laughs> all I need is one Christmas song played or one person in a Santa hat or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's a Christmas film. I, I swear it's a Christmas film. But yeah, definitely, definitely on that team. I can guarantee, though, that if you, you know, you switch it out and you say, OK, Hans Gruber, he's a South Pole elf. The guy who runs <laughs> Nakatomi Plaza, that's Santa Claus. They don't want money. They want presents. Everyone would be like, that's the best Christmas movie ever. Exactly. So it's only missing three elements. Just accept it's a Christmas <laughs> film. <laughs> yeah, I accept it. I, I I love it. It's about a man trying to get to his family for Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Ignore the fact they're divorced by the third film. Ignore yeah, whatever. It. <laughs> that's fine. No, it's cool. It's cool. So the final thing that we love to do on the podcast uh, is I'm a huge advocate of supporting comedians in whatever they've got coming up. So this next minute is completely yours to plug whatever you want. You could even plug that people never listen to this podcast again. You say (laughs) anything you want to say, it is your choice. Oh, I would never do that. I'm going to plug that you keep listening to this podcast. Uh, please come out to more live comedy if you're not doing it. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that you do. Um, 
as far as me, I, I'm going back to California in a few weeks, so I don't really have a lot of stuff lined up at the moment. So uh, just follow me on Instagram, Jam Slamwich. Watch me slowly devolve um, on my Instagram stories. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I've got some some plans, some fun things that should be happening towards the middle or end of this year. Um, so yeah, just just keep doing fun stuff. Keep flipping. Keep, keep loving, keep loving comedy. That's all I want you to do and have fun. <laughs> I'm plugging the concept of fun. <laughs> That's brilliant. No one has done it before. <laughs> wow. I'm a groundbreaker, <laughs> baby. <laughs> there we go. So uh, to the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Uh, leave a five-star review, as I try and remember to say on every single episode. Leave a review about this episode, if this is your favourite. Uh, maybe leave a message for Sam. Maybe say why you love this episode so much. Or just tell us about your favourite comedian, favourite comedy, whatever you want to talk about. That's your review. I'll read them all. But five stars, please. It really, really helps us get seen. Helps us get more guests and guests that we can absolutely guarantee that you're going to love uh this for me has been such a brilliant episode sam it's been so lovely to meet you and talk to you and and get to find out about your philosophy yeah thank you so much for having me it's been it's been a great time and um yeah good luck with this i'm gonna listen to all of it right after this i'm gonna listen to every episode i absolutely love hearing comedians talk so thank you so much for having me we'll have to get you back one week just to talk about snl exclusively oh absolutely bro let's do an snl special i'm so ready (laughs) i'd be 100 percent down we'll get that (laughs) awesome thank you so much for i was gonna say coming out you've not left your house thank you so much (laughs) for coming on the podcast it's been brilliant to have you great thank you and to our guests goodbye bye